Hi, everybody. Mike Rothman here with another edition of the Tech Strong Research Review. This is the kind of weekly show. We try to do it every week, but it's you know, a weekly. weekly show where Mitch and I kind of go through whatever's on our mind and give you guys a view of, you know, kind of the internal deliberations and uh, really research process that we go through uh, here at Tech Strong. So, as always, joined by Mitch. Mitch, how are you today? Uh, good, other than a little post-travel. Uh, Not everything stays in Vegas, by the way. Some things do yeah. come with you home, as you can tell from from this. But I'm doing better. I'm doing fine. I appreciate yeah, it. It was just, you know, whether it's a head cold or obviously Mitch, you know, ended up with uh, testing positive for COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, anytime you get a whole mess of people together in the same place, you're going to have things that are communicable and Black Hat did not disappoint. So I'm glad you're feeling better. I know, uh, you know, Jody, your wife is a little bit under it uh, as we're, of now. We're, so. we're working on it hard. You know, if you looked at my schedule, you'd say, why did it take you so long to get it again? <laughs> this is the only second time I've had yeah, it. Like, as many trips as you've done it. Really? Yeah. That's, that's I've got a pretty good track record. So yeah, good, 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 good. That good, good to see the immune system, you know, kind of kicking in on that front. So mm. we, we probably should talk about some kind of technology topics since that oh, yeah. is not what we do. Um, so what, what we thought about this week is is really just this whole cloud native and open source environment, right? And and you, you know, if you would have asked Alan, you know, six months ago, yeah, tell me about this whole cloud native thing, and he really conflated it with open source, right? It's open source is driving a lot of this piece and, and that, you know, things like Kubernetes and open telemetry and um, Helm and a variety of other, you know, kind of technologies that drive a lot of the, the platform and the foundation for how we're building up applications. But it seems that that is changing, right? You know, you have a couple of news pegs. Mitch, that, you know, kind of really bring up the discussion of what is the future of open source, right? I mean, it's always going to be an area of innovation. I think it's an interesting business model, but at some point, does that kind of get a little bit tired and organizations say, we want to make this a little bit more commercial in nature? So why don't you give everybody a, a, a little overview of, you know, a couple of announcements that, that uh, Red Hat and, and Hashi made fairly recently. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Red Hat a couple of years ago sort of sent a shockwave to people about Red Hat, Red Hat Enterprise Linux and stepping away from CentOS and it just being the exper experimental version of it. So that's rather than the tried, trusted, true what you should be running if you're not running Red Hat. So that sent a bit of shockwaves. People never expected that, right? Like, hmm, okay, interesting. Well, Red Hat then announced they were moving to a business software license. In other words, a non-open source compliant license, which means they can, they can define what they want in the license. Um, and it doesn't have all the parameters around what it means to be open and you know, limited or no restrictions on which you can use it for. And of course, there's counter reactions to that too, then since Red Hat made that announcement and, and for whatever their interests were to do it, SUSE stepped up and said, well, we're going to fork Red Hat Enterprise Linux and we'll support it. And this is mostly to support the, you might say downstream. Some people use the, the word freeloader, people who are taking, you know, this, uh, you know, growing, continued, evolving open source product that was being commercialized and offering is open source, then turning their own product from that. Uh, another variant of Linux that was specialized in these areas. So 
that that we had seen and i you know interviewed some people from susa about it and we've written about it and kind of okay what does that mean well now we have hashicorp who's done something similar i'm not sure if it's the for the same reasons but they also announced that they're moving to a bsl license so vagrant and vault and uh, infrastructure as code and a lot of number of things that that they of course our underpinnings of a lot of our software development now are no longer open source in the traditional open source license, but under a BSL. And what does that mean? So it, it just brings up this, okay, is this two points of interesting move on folks, nothing to see here, or is this the start of a new wave of, okay, we'll go open source to a point, but if it becomes more in our interest, not to be open source, we will make the shift and take whatever consequences, if they're significant enough or not, of the reaction of the open source community to say, blah, you know, play, play gun you for doing that, right? We'll see. Right. We haven't seen that strong of a reaction, at least I don't think. But, you know, is this going to, are we going to see this kind of starting to roll up and catch momentum or no, just in, in a few cases, it's going to happen here or there. Yeah, you, you know, I, I think we need to separate out, right? You know, kind of the whole, business aspect of things and and how customers do business with some of these companies and the protection of your intellectual property right because i remember back and this was a long time ago and you'll remember this because you were still still secure so i'm, I'm going to date both of us at this point um you, you know carbon dating it may be required carbon dating <laughs> at this point <laughs> um but when Tenable decided to change the licensing around Nessus, it had always been open source, right? And, and you know, at some point they changed it to a commercial license that would require licensing in order to fork it, build on it, you know, leverage it within products. And that was less about business terms and trying to make money off of it, although obviously they wanted to do that and eventually they did and became very successful. That was more about they saw folks taking the base code, basically building it into their products, commercializing it, and you know, kind of kickstarting and, and really removing a lot of the barriers to entry for uh, other folks to get into a business to actually compete with them. So they're like, "Ah, we're not doing this anymore." And people were pissed. Right? I mean, people were pissed when when Nessus decided to you know kind of remove the open source aspect of that. And I remember sitting with Ron Gula, you know, back in the day, Jack, and and you know, kind of working out tactics to to deal with you know kind of the inevitable backlash. And I get the sense that this was the same kind of thing, right? Red Hat, you know, did that for for that reason. I think HashiCorp looks at that and says, yeah, you know, there are folks that are starting to build, you know, certainly Terraform, you know, underlying a, a whole variety of different things, and that ends up at you know. Okay, ultimately, now I'm a public company. I'm a big company. I really need to protect my assets. And a lot of my asset is that intellectual property. So uh, all those things, to my knowledge, are still available under a freemium you know, type of license. So it's not like they're trying to extract money from every organization that uses it. Obviously, if you use it in production, obviously, if you use it at scale, you know, you're going to want to pay. And I think that's reasonable. To me, it's much more about, you know, kind of what is the intellectual property aspect uh, of this. And, and that's where folks get, you know, kind of pissy about, well, you know, is it not going to be free? Are they going to try to jack me up? It's like, no, you know, they're just, you know, they've invested, you know, hundreds of millions in developing these technologies and, you know, far be it from them to actually protect it. Um, so I guess that that's my initial read at it. 
I mean, you know, agree, disagree. I mean, well, I, I lived through that same period. I was one of those freeloaders. Yeah. In fact, you were <laughs> <laughs> Ron and uh, Marty software in our products. And it's, I think it's one of those, well, the license of it, the open source license of it is one of the things that made it so widely accessible and appealing and all those kind of things. So it's a part of success, but then conditions change. We built a company around it. Do we want people, freeloaders to come in and use our stuff and benefit from our hard work? A license says you can do that. I mean, that's what it allows you to do, uh, allows others to do. Well, we still want the open source license, but we we want to curb some of that. And, you know, that's what Tenable did by basically making delaying the uh, the issuance of the si- signatures updates. And that's what you paid for a subscription right. to that. So they figured out a way of, you know, starting Modern to do classroom. that. And yeah. Marty did kind of something similar with Snort. I think we're, we're at that point again on a much larger scale um, now with uh, some of the products you mentioned, Terraform too, um, with HashiCorp and Red Hat and Enterprise Linux. And it, it is, it's always about business drivers, you know, whether the interests of the people who primarily control this. And <clears throat> are you going to be a SUSE who says, we will always be open source. This is what we are. It's in our DNA. It's in our blood. It's blah, 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 which, you know, I believe them. There may be a day when it isn't, you know, <laughs> things can change. Um, or, you know, we do open source because, you know, we support the larger community. It works with our business model. It's not so much taking, it's not taking away enough business for us to matter about it. Um, so it's, it's, I think we're past the, I'm angry. People are using my shit to, I, I think it's in my own interest and financial interest, not to do it the open source way anymore. Right. Right. And, and, you know, you have different categories of technologies, right? I mean, you, you, you know, certainly a lot of what Hashi is doing and, and Red Hat Enterprise Linux and even Nessus back at the point. I mean, those are foundational kind of building blocks, you, you know, for a certain technology or, or a certain type of category of product, you know, you get. And SUSE has a bunch of that, you know, kind of as well. But, you know, then you start looking at the surrounding stuff and, you know, open source may be OK because folks aren't building, the, you know, again, companies on top of, you know, that kind of foundation. So again, you, you know, there are a lot of different ways to build companies or a lot of different ways to deliver, you know, value to customers. Uh, but, but I do think, you know, kind of a general religious adherence to the idea that, you know, what's open source and always needs to be open source doesn't factor in business realities and, we're going to continue to see that, you know, over and over. It's like open source is great. And, and it really is one of the great ways to kickstart a, a, you know, set of technologies, gain adoption much faster than you would be able to in any kind of pure commercial uh, type of environment. But again, business things change. And I think that, that that needs to be okay. But one question becomes, you know, a number of these projects end up getting, you know, subsumed into CNCF, right? So what ends up happening at that point, right? I mean, is, is that a, that's a one-way door, right? Once those projects go in there, there's nothing else, but, you know, do they become less relevant over time? Do they, when they graduate? So what, what do you get a sense of, you know, kind of the impact on, you know, kind of more of the public projects and, and that approach to, you know, driving technology adoption? Well, the, the interesting thing about the Linux, the Linux Foundation is it's become kind of an engine for 
open source projects and most of them are loosey goosey, right? Mitch and Mike have their, in, you know, their open source project. And this week we're going to week work on features and the next release we'll work on security patches or whatever. You know, that's just our thing. And we kind of listen to, to whoever the community is and, you know, accept their changes, et cetera. Links Foundation and CNCF and the, the organizations underneath it provide structure to that a place where things go, a process for governance, making sure you've got all the things kind of set up in, in some kind of trustable by the enterprise yeah. structure and process. So I think it brings legitimacy legis to it. It's also a way of starting to subsume open source projects or well, there's multiple paths. Uh, let's, let's try to get this uh, even more accelerated path than it's already on. This is similar. Let's bring it in. Let, then we'll see how we might merge it with another open source project, open telemetry to get great and open tracing. Yeah. Great examples of that where, okay, great. Here's, here's a process for how we bring this together. So it's, it's structure and organization and process that can help open source. But not everything goes to Linux Foundation, and that's that's good too. That's right. And, and one one thing that just occurred to me, right? I, I think a lot of it also has to do with the company that's originating the technology, hmm. right? So you say Google, and obviously Kubernetes is the biggest, you know, kind of example of that. They don't really have a big interest in commercializing, you know, that it was a means to an end. They had to build it in order to drive, you know, kind of their own stuff. And then, you know, they kind of let it loose in the world and, and do other things. I mean, I think a lot of technology, especially cloud related technology that uh, Netflix had originated. Again, that's not their business. Their business is in serving movies. Right. They just had to build some technology in order to do that, uh, you know, in, in, in a more reliable and, and scalable fashion. A lot of that uh, lift another company number of companies have done that and then turn those projects over to you know, Linux Foundation. That's right. That, that's right. So, so again, I think you do have nuance there relative to what is the main business of the folks that are originating the technology as well. But, you know, suffice it to say, as with everything, it's going to change and it's going to evolve. Right. And, and you, you know, it's very, very rare that you see, you know, kind of one specific business model never changing, never evolving, um, you know, always static. Right. That's just not the world we live in. That's just not the way technology markets really work. So, again, to kind of have a very rigid philosophical bent about, you know, kind of this, so I'm only going to do stuff with this specific license or, you know, that specific business model. I don't think that reflects reality uh, for the most part. So I, I think it really is about, you know, kind of being flexible and trying to figure out what makes the most sense for the business problem you're trying to solve as a consumer of these technologies. And if it doesn't work, you know, the good news is odds are there are probably another three or four things you can play around with because uh, you never have just one of something, right? You know, kind of, you always have multiple. So there are typically options for anything that you wanted to do. I think there's also a tipping point. You're in a much different place if you have so much revenue from enterprise customers that if you cut off this path because people get up, some portion of them get upset. Okay, I can I can survive with that. If you're three three years into your startup, and we're going to swing from you know we do everything open source to we're going to keep most of it to ourselves, and you have to pay to get the good stuff. You lose a lot of people, and you may not survive. So it's a it, luxury of having a lot of revenue and customers gives you far more options to do that kind of thing. 
And, and, and also remember, I think a lot of the business cycle, you know, kind of also reflects those decisions when there's a period of time when it's really about user adoption, eyeballs or registered users or whatever it is, then you do certain things in your businesses reflect that now, shockingly enough. You got to make enough cash to pay your bills at the end of the day, right? You know, kind of the free money era cash is flow. over, you know, for, for now. So you have organizations sitting there going, all right, you know, it's it's less about how many eyeballs, right? Less about, you know, how many, you know, kind of active users per month and more about how much revenue am I generating per user, right? And is that, and as those metrics start to change as the businesses start to really focus on different stuff, obviously, you know, kind of how they do business and, and what they do with their technologies are going to reflect that as well. Right. You know, do you want to have, you know, 50 million, you know, kind of active monthly users, or do you want to generate, you know, 10, 15 million, you know, to the bottom line and profit per month, Right. And th again, those are totally legitimate business decisions that you have to make, but uh, they, they do tend to be somewhat mutually exclusive. Good point. Very interesting topic. And it will continue to change. It will. We'll see what happens. It will. It will. So good. What, anything else, Mitch, you know, up in your crop, you know, we got a couple of things coming with, you know, observability and, and monitoring. So we've got some research going there, obviously always, you know, some, some AI stuff that we have uh, going on uh, as well. I, I know that AI. <laughs> <laughs> by the time everybody sees this, you, you know, you'll be knee deep in, in a little bit of a, a hackathon that we have going on. Yeah. As well. We are a, uh, well, we're, um, we're having holding a hackathon in, in, in uh, Boca, I want to say Boulder in Boca next week, uh, focus around AI, some of the early leaders in uh, DevOps who helped get DevOps going, some thought leadership, practitioners, you know, authors, all that kind of thing, people who still write code. Uh, I'm meeting up about 17 of us in, in, and I wasn't one of the originators, but I will be there uh, a part of the hackathon supporting it as well. Really seeing what, what can we do with AI? What interesting things might we do with AI? And, and probably mostly in, in the realm of how it helps us build software or the kind of software that we might create. So it's one of those you go into it with, you know, the, the, it isn't a, we need to get the project done by Friday and here's the eight things that has to happen. It's more of the, let's see what we can do. And we'll all probably be pleasantly surprised by the outcome because we didn't expect exactly that to happen or maybe that to happen at all. So that's the fun and interesting part of this. And, and I know a number of folks, but there's a lot of other folks that I've heard and read and, you know, listened to videos I've never met. So it's great. It's great for me. I get to meet a lot of people I've not met before too. So, you know, I just have to be careful not to uh, be too big of a fanboy. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, we'll work alongside folks. <laughs> No, but that's an exciting part, right? And, and and it really reflects where we are in the cycle around AI, right? You know, yes, there are a couple of very visible, very helpful concepts that people are, are starting to use, but there's still so much more in terms of what is this going to look like? How is it going to shake out? What's really the value propositions and, and ultimately uh, kind of what uh, is going to be delivered right to customers. And I think there's just going to be a whole bunch of brainstorming innovation. It'll be really interesting to see what comes out of the, uh, what comes out of the hackathon after next week. So we'll be able to, you know, take a little bit of time next week and, and, and kind of dig into that a little bit. And we are documenting 
documenting it too. So there'll be some videos produced coming out of this of what happened in, in real time there. All right. Good stuff. So with that, we will see everybody next week, you know, for another edition of the tech strong research review. So in the meantime, Mitch feel better, make sure he's feeling better on your end and we will see everybody next week. All right. See y'all soon.